0: What's going on everybody? Welcome to another Whiskey Web and Whatnot with myself, Robbie the Wagner, and my co-host, as always, Charles William Carpenter III. With our guest today, Stephen Shaw. How's it going, Stephen? Good, guys. How's it going? Good, good.
1: It's better than last week. (laughs) (laughs) That is for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so uh, for folks who haven't Heard of you? Uh, Do you want to give a quick intro into who you are and what you do?
2: Yeah, so I'm Stephen Shaw. That's pretty obvious. But I work for uh, CodePen, building kind of a code editor for the web. You've probably run across it in some capacity. People frequently use it for sharing code samples or demos or showing off their work. And I've been doing that about four years now, actually over four years now. And um, we got some. Great stuff cooking behind the scenes that isn't public yet, but is really exciting, and y'all should stay tuned for that. I also uh, ran a, a live stream where we did animation, web animation live on the air, kind of recreating Dribble UI animations and all that, called Keyframers uh, with David Korsheed. We both have been rather busy with other things uh, for the past <laughs> two years or so, so it's just kind of been on on hiatus, but yeah those are my main things.
1: Cool. cool. Very cool, very cool. Later on, we can talk about what kind of boss Chris is.) <laughs>
2: <laughs> You'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah.
1: He's great. <laughs> he seems like such a jerk otherwise. So, you know. <laughs> all right. But for now, yeah. to loosen you up for that conversation, we will start with uh, the whiskey. And the whiskey today is an Angel's Envy straight bourbon whiskey. It's the Devil's Advocate, which I think has more to do with the uh, the barrel selection itself. Sometimes you get to name them or whatever. Angel's Envy is known for port finishing a lot of their whiskeys. This one was from the Prime Barrel. Pick number 54, hmm, for whatever reason. Mm, wish we could have gotten 53. Oh, uh, yeah, could have gotten 53. <laughs> 108 proof. Uh, the mash bill for all the Angel's Envy stuff is 72% corn, 18% rye, and 10% malted barley. Typically aged between four and six years, as must be with, uh, with a bourbon whiskey. And uh, I don't know. That's all we know about it. It has this little metal annoying thing on it. <laughs> yeah, just a metal. I was like, that's, yeah. uh, let's give it a shot.
0: It smells like a uh, really rich red sangria
1: to me. Mm. Like very fruity. I don't know exactly what fruits. Sure if, I mean, I, I do like sangria, but I feel like it's more of a, we made this very mediocre alcohol better. Fruit <laughs> and stuff. Hey, don't yes. put your best wine in sangria. <laughs> yeah, it turns out. Hmm. It's interesting because I think I remember reading that this, the barrel had actually proofed at like 118 something and they proofed it down that bottling hmm. even further. So it must've been like pretty hot. Interesting. Hmm. That's like brown sugar to me. A little mm.
2: Yeah. There is like a sweetness coming through but it's mostly in the smell. Yeah. The taste is a lot more, um, or flat
1: yeah oh yeah that's
0: a little disappointing it's kind of like a really mild gingerbread
1: yeah <laughs> on the taste what I get like yeah like a little gingerbread man yeah yeah mm it's a good description oh no not my gumdrop button <laughs> it's okay it's got some heat on the finish and it hmm. gets a little I don't know I get a lot of like brown sugar through the whole thing some gingerbread kind of nut and then the finish has kind of like a cinnamon spice like burn to it for me yeah maybe it'll open up a little bit more but eh, okay
2: maybe the barrel was made of gingerbread
1: (laughs) (laughs) that would hold up well you know that's part of the federal (laughs) mandate is uh freshly (laughs) freshly burned barrels of gingerbread Uh, that'd be a different technique do something so, Shaw, I'll tell you how the how the uh, process goes. It's heavily enforced here. It's one to eight tentacles in as far as a rating on this whiskey or any whiskey hmm. that we would have. And uh, one being the worst you've ever had. Eight being so amazing and everything else in the middle. Robbie and I tend to like segment our whiskeys now kind of by category just because we've had so many. And so it gets to be a little easier to say, like, oh, you know, a finished whiskey, a port finished whiskey. This is a bourbon for sure, and a port finished. So we'll kind of think about it in that context. But if you don't have that much whiskey, you can totally just put it all, all time, you
2: know. You know, I'm I'm not too much of a connoisseur. I do I do enjoy a fine one. I did actually bring some Woodford Reserve, which is my mm-hmm. has been my go to lately to directly compare, so that I can give a more accurate assessment here. I think that's great. That's something you enjoy and that you've been having lately it gives
1: you like kind of a you know a baseline around right what you like or don't like,
2: and then you know the the Woodford is a lot sweeter. It does not have nearly the kind of burn <laughs> that the <laughs> that the angels envy is so i would probably give it a three or a four mm. so far yeah i'll get into it a little bit more and we'll 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 see if that if that changes yeah. over time yeah <laughs> you can
1: let us know if like over time it kind of goes up or down for you yeah. yeah like oh my gosh what was i thinking yeah for me Thinking about other port finished things,
0: I think one of the barrel ones that we had was maybe port finished or kind of lumping those into at least the same category of finished and unique things. I would say this is much less good. (laughs) So this is. Me no liking. I might give it a little higher, though, maybe maybe a four and a half, something like that.
1: It's not terrible. Yeah, I think that uh, the lack of diversity in the flavor as you're having it a little bit and then like that real harsh finish to it. I don't mind some burn and hug, but like I don't feel like I'm getting enough to earn that on the back end. I was going to say a four. We've had a bunch of other finished ones, some port, some rum, some whatever else. So I would have expected a bit more sweetness to this heavy spice rye bomb here. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know prime barrel. I guess you won't sponsor us because we're not, uh, we're not supporting your choices. Well, we'll still buy all our whiskey from you, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, because you ship everywhere. Yeah. Damn you. So, yeah, the,
0: uh, the first thing we like to start with is some hot takes. And this first one, I think, is not going to apply to you based on what you've said <laughs> in some of the topics you gave to me where you said uh, talking about how terrible TypeScript is was one of the things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you've used some TypeScript have you at all or do you just avoid it completely unfortunately yes okay
2: we're in i wouldn't say the middle we're in a process of like implementing typescript throughout an existing code base which i do not recommend at all (laughs) if you have existing code that works don't add typescript that's not going to make your life any easier but yeah we're in the middle of all that
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, then the question is, do you prefer inferred
2: types or explicit types when you have to use TypeScript? If you're going to get into it and actually use types, I think being explicit is, is helpful. I have been surprised at how well TypeScript is able to infer a lot of times. I still don't really feel comfortable with it. And like, I, I still feel like I need to make it explicit, but, um, overall, yeah, go explicit if you, if you can. Gotcha.
0: What about for CSS? Do you use Tailwind, vanilla
2: CSS, something else? Uh not a tailwind fan. I learned coding in the in the nineties and you know, inline styles were all you could use, and that that was fine for the time, but we've we've grown up a bit and I I do not prefer that. The flavor we use is just you know, SAS, uh, SCSS um, at CodePen. And that's just kind of been my go-to. It's just enough, like, extra on top of CSS for convenience, you know, nesting and variables and easy imports and mix-ins and that kind of stuff without being overbearing. So, yeah, I'll generally just gravitate towards SAS just for convenience.
0: Gotcha. It's reasonable. You want to do a couple, Chuck?
1: Sure. We'll ask the big Git
2: rebase or Git merge. See, I'm more of a Git UI kind of guy. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) same. So most of my rebase experience is Googling. I've screwed things up horribly in my branch. How do I I fix this? Mm -hmm. And copying and pasting that. I got into source control way, way late in the game. You know, it was probably only like six years ago that i even really started dabbling and i think at the time i even chose something weird like subversion or something like that i don't really even remember so like my git knowledge is is not very very strong i'm totally comfortable you know moving around in it and i love you know working in github and and that that kind of setup but yeah the like intricacies of it i always get a little bit a little bit lost in
1: right you know i'm gonna i want to stick on the initial topic, then of this. And you seem like a, a very, if it ain't broke, don't try and force <laughs> your tool on me kind of guy. Yeah,
2: that's safe to say.
1: So, and you're mentioning that TypeScript's, you're converting an existing project. And I'm, I'm guessing that's just kind of a team decision for whatever pros and cons were decided upon there. So I'm just curious, not, you're not a fan of TypeScript in general, but here you are going on this journey. How did you get? into that then like what were what was the thing that is like well we still need it
2: so o- overall it's one one <laughs> team member uh kind of with more experience in it chris <laughs> <laughs> not not chris uh <laughs> robert uh a guy on our, on our team you don't have to help anybody by name robert yeah he's amazing but he you know just prefers it because it does help catch a lot of things but the main problem for me is so much of our app is completely dynamic. You know, it happens at runtime because, you know, we're querying for data and we're, you know, running all these things based on those callbacks. And you really just end up with a situation where TypeScript isn't actually catching any of that and all that work to set up TypeScript in those utilities. Like you get, you know, helpful hints in VS code and all that kind of stuff, but it's not actually catching any problems and, you spend more time like setting up the types or like debugging what TypeScript actually wants instead of actually implementing the code or writing tests that, you know, would actually help. So if TypeScript was a little more client side, like, I, you know, I'd totally be on board with it. And we're currently looking at, you know, some things like Zod that do client side validation for content and can actually output TypeScript types based on that validation. Like that's that's super great. So that's mainly like our, our process right now is the TypeScript adds a lot of useful information for our tool base and does catch some things where you're not, you know, misusing functions and you get that helpful hinting, but it's not helping too much with our actual runtime app. So just casting as any, <laughs> that's how you fix it. Just Fine. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have an ESLint rule that disallows any types. Hmm. So I have a shortcut for the disabling next line for yes lint <laughs> TypeScript <laughs> any or do as unknown as the thing you want done. <laughs> ah, man, the
0: as thing is so so tricky. Or satisfies. That's a good one too. <laughs> Satisfies is that I haven't gotten satisfies to work. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. That's a legit? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm.
0: You can use it instead of as, and it's supposed to be like, you know, I want to say that it completes the uh, shape of this thing, but it doesn't necessarily have all the same things, and I'm cool with that. Mm -hmm. Uh But it's never worked for me. (laughs) I don't know why.
2: (laughs) That sums up TypeScript
0: for me. (laughs) You just couldn't satisfy it, but I'm... (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Yep. I'm not
1: satisfying enough. There are a lot of like weird things. Yeah, I think in like previous episodes or whatever we've talked about, like partials and omit and like those kind of things to sort of take a shape of one thing and force it into the other hole with some of the less corners. Yeah.
0: There's a lot you can do, but it does get difficult.
1: Yeah. I guess that comes back to, you know, what uh, things around like uh, implicit and explicit type inference. So... Yeah. Sometimes, yes. Great. If all of those, all of your friends with their packages have done their jobs, but uh, not always at that. That doesn't. Yeah,
2: the that's confusing. Like the exports of types and like what you're expected to be able to set up based on another library's types is always hit or miss for me. Some... Internal types are just kind of hidden away and you don't have access to them, but they get returned. And, you know, you end up in this just messy situation where you don't have the actual type that you need, but you're expected to be able to validate against that. I don't know. I'm a little bitter here. (laughs) Well, I want to draw more
1: of that out. So hopefully this mediocre whiskey will, you know, you'll get into that. It's getting there. We did have one more hot take about things, and maybe uh, this should be a good one, I
2: think. Uh, what do you think about Signals? Signals, uh, like the Preact kind of setup? Yeah, or SolidJS. Is it exclusive or... to Preact? I've kind of only seen it there.
1: No, no. Um, SolidJS is a big one where yeah. that is like the primary data directional pattern.
0: It's like the opposite of React, like React wants to re-render everything and you tell it what not to re-render and Signals is the opposite of like, I'm going to re-render nothing unless you tell me to re-render this thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I haven't actually gotten into uh, using it too much, but from what I've seen from the API, it is it is a lot like hooks. Mm-hmm. We use a lot of React at CodePen and, you know, we've... We have a lot of complicated hooks and a lot of complicated logic for trying to prevent re-renders for you know different different scenarios and everything so I do like the the setup of signals and how it's kind of a less reactish hook if you will but yeah I haven't haven't played with them enough to uh, to give too much of a, a thumbs up or thumbs down to them
0: That's fair. We just uh, try to take anything that people yell about on Twitter and ask people about it. So if there's a hot take there, we'd like to get it out.
1: Well, I've got one more thing then. Oh, yeah. And that is, what do you think about just rewriting CodePen, but in Rust? (laughs) Rust.
2: Well, yeah, I don't know. We're always in the middle of rewrites. You know, CodePen's been around 13 years or so now. Like it's... You know, it's getting up there in birthday candles and it's, I forget what it, what it started out as, but you know, it, it ended up being a rails, a Ruby on rails app. And now we're in this process where it's like a quarter Ruby on rails, a quarter react rendered UI, a quarter like GraphQL that's hitting the Ruby on rails API and a quarter GraphQL API that's hitting a Go API. Mm. So there there's a whole like mishmash of things that are just all integrated which works surprisingly well for now but the goal is kind of migrating away from from Ruby into this Go based API and a you know more fully react front end and uh, you know server side rendering with like Next and that kind of stuff. Mm, fancy. So no opinion on Rust, but Go seems to be doing fine for us. But you're fine with Next and all of that VC money, huh? <laughs> yeah, if they can redirect some of that to us, that'd be that'd be
1: great. <laughs> but <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you've got the one part that Guillermo hasn't really like narrowed down the talent on yet, and so if you could just swoop in, get in there, be set. I remember there being some kind of like very cool magic in like uh the uh, now that you mentioned go when Chris was on he was like talking about this like i don't know just like on the fly like re-render magic that happens when people like, kind of make changes within code pen and then it's like you know and how the version controlling of that happens
2: right so you know we're working on top secret stuff as you can imagine it's probably a code editor of some sort mm-hmm. and you know the the big part of uh, Codepen is instant rendering of things, and so you know we're we're working through all that in in new Go API stuff, and you know handling how those conversions happen. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Without giving up the secret sauce, like something it's in, exciting. Yeah, kind of high level like that. Yeah. I'm sure it'd be pretty tough to to redo. <laughs> so Robbie believes that you you all have a open source overlap. You want to ask about that? That's spicy. Yeah,
0: I uh, I wasn't 100% sure, and I probably should have just looked because I could have <laughs> checked now. But did you used to maintain cash, Ken Wheeler's cash thing? <laughs>
2: yes. Okay. Yeah, that's funny.
0: Yeah, so I, I think I submitted a few issues there or maybe a PR or two or something
2: and chatted with you some on there years ago. So. We probably argued heavily about yeah. uh, some implementation <laughs> details. That was highly opinionated at the time as to as to what it should be. Yeah, Man, that's, that's funny. (laughs) So yeah, that probably would have been like 2016 or something.
0: I don't know. All the years seem the same. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think, I think around then sounds right. It says a jQuery replacement. So to me that, are you sure it wasn't like 2004? (laughs) No.
2: (laughs) No. So this was in the era where jQuery was still like a legitimate need because like overall like browser support and, you know, handling of, of the DOM was a necessity But the, like, heaviness of jQuery to, like, still support IE9 and, like, you know, lower and all that, like, it just, it wasn't as appealing. There were a lot of native DOM APIs for, like, query selector all and that kind of stuff that generally replaced a lot of what jQuery did magically. So cache was kind of sitting there in between where it would use a lot more native DOM APIs, but still smooth over things in, like, generating arrays of the elements and you could like easily you know add a class to all of them and like that kind of stuff to just make the you know the dom a little more easy to manipulate and i just as an experiment to like learn javascript better i essentially rewrote jquery and then i came across cache and i was like hey could i just like merge my stuff into this and ken was like sure i don't care about this anymore (laughs) and uh and gave me like editor access or whatever so i ended up maintaining that for like a year or something and then somebody else is swooped in and is continuing the legacy yeah he he does that
1: he like creates the thing and then he's like man i'm gonna go make some beats over here (laughs) yeah or some pizza burgers that I saw, really. Yeah. <laughs> pizza burgers. There's so many things wrong with yeah. that. Yeah, that was wow. like a Today tweet or Yesterday tweet or something yeah. where he was like mixing the two greatest foods and it was like yeah. just a burger and sauce. And with, it turned out worse than
0: if you just made them separately. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't think they're all hits. Yeah. I'm just saying.
1: No. 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 <laughs> like I would pass on that burger. Yeah. And I've had some pretty mediocre burgers, but... <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we don't need to dwell on that.
0: Tell us some more about web
1: animation because I feel like
0: it's hard to, like we're given all these tools for animation, but the, it's hard to know what to make, right? Like how do you decide, like do people, should people be designing animated things in some tool that I am not aware of because I just look at Figma. But uh, <laughs> like, you know, how do you, how do you get started on that? And like, what recommendations do you have around that?
2: You know, tooling wise, I've never been up on it too much because there's always been kind of a lack in it. Before I worked at CodePen, I worked at an advertising agency and we were kind of multifaceted. We did we did web, we did, you know, design, we did video and and like animation, 2D and 3D as well. So we were kind of uniquely positioned with the talent we needed in like 15 people to implement, you know, all kinds of really cool stuff for the web because, you know, we had awesome animators that could they could put it all together and then basically me to make it happen on the web. So, most of my experience was just like taking what they what they had made and either recreating it or reimagining it for the web with essentially like green sock, GSAP to just like make it interactive or, you know, make it more efficient or size efficient compared to a video, that kind of stuff. So overall, like there's been a real good development of the tool set. I can't even think of like the main, the main one that's out there right now. It's not, not Figma, but there's, there's another one that actually is a lot more uh, animation Mm. focused. That's really good. But as far as i go like just actually coding it out and everything has been has been the route i always take i would love a more ui based approach that actually generates solid code and responsive animations and all that and i mm-hmm. think i think we're we're getting to that point we're just like right at the threshold of it but yeah gsap is still kind of my go to if i have something intensive that i that i want to get get done but for the most part css animation gets a lot done these days especially
0: yeah i mean i feel like we're always just chasing what flash gave us
2: forever ago i know (laughs) right it really is surprising how far we were able to go in the late 90s and early 2000s do
1: things with websites that was meant to be for like cartoons and other animations like if i want to remake ren and stimpy what replaces
2: flash for me yeah there's not too much right now i th- rive is one that's been coming up i haven't gotten a chance to play with that too much but that one i think is is intended to kind of be somewhere between like adobe to you know web animation but there really isn't a good just like flash like <laughs> option right now
1: yeah yeah because like in flash action script right was like the superpower but you could just use the the gui and do all kinds of stuff and draw things out and whatever else and so yeah like where's figma that has a stage that goes into animations all right i'm gonna jump off here and go go make this software right now apparently there's a real need in the space (laughs) (laughs) i think so
0: yeah so i guess um Taking that a step further, you had mentioned, I guess it's not really related, but like things that we can't really do on the web very well yet. You had mentioned the future of VR and AR in the web. What are your thoughts around that?
2: I think that we're very close to a crossroads similar to back in what, what was it? 2007 when the iPhone was introduced and suddenly everyone was scrambling to have a mobile website. We're probably, you know, two, three years away from a similar scramble for AR and like VR-based experiences for the web. You know, we've had experimental kind of stuff and, you know, little things like, you know, view this product in your room kind of interactions on the web that have been cool to see. But we're just like, a consumer ready device introduction away from the need for like web apis and real web tools for developing those those kinds of augmented reality or virtual reality experiences on the web and there's been some good work done in that space but i don't think anyone has like real ui or like understanding of how that's going to Impact the web as a whole. If you're interacting with the web through an augmented reality device, how does that change things? Like you know, in the same way that touch changed from you know a mouse interaction, and the different ways that we had to account for multi-touch and like zoom and like all these different things. How much more are we going to have to account for you know three D real time interaction with stuff and and trying to display that and yeah. I don't have the answers for any of that, but I think it's very important for us as web developers to start considering that because rumor has it that Apple's introducing some kind of headset mm-hmm. this year. And that is probably going to be the wake-up call that that a lot of people have needed.
1: Yeah, that, that does sound dangerous. I think that you make a great point around that specifically, actually. I forgot about, and I have used... Those apps where you want to see the product in your space mm-hmm. and you can kind of see that and it looks pretty good and gives you a real good general idea. But I mean, that's a like singular thing. You've got games that are using AR pretty well. Obviously, you've got VR games, but they are these weird geeky over, you know, they're not they're not so mass appeal. Right. And yeah, we're we're one mass appeal device away or one mass appeal experience that mm-hmm. doesn't require the one specific thing like right the iPhone changed it and everybody needed a smartphone and now smartphone is part of the you know what you have. Not everybody has a, a you know Quest goggles, right? But right. We're one one thing away of this is how you consume the thing in this whole new Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that could open up a lot of cool stuff, though. Like, I'm just imagining, you know, you start your website with the the normal look and feel that you would view on a desktop. And it kind of like zooms past it and makes it 3D or something. And like, there's a whole nother world past everything. Like, there's a lot of cool stuff you could do. But I think someone needs to make some cool libraries for me to use first so that I can <laughs> do
2: it well. <laughs> yeah. I think surprisingly, Firefox has has been pretty on like the forefront of a lot of the like web AR and web VR stuff. And they have some good tooling or at least some good uh, good information around all of that. If you like Google web AR, they've got that kind of stuff out there. That's really cool to, to see. Like some of the demos are really cool. Hmm.
1: Hmm. I'll have to check those out. Yeah, it's like further integration with the hardware, right? More and more access from, um, from the browser into machine hardware, yeah. which I guess helps open
2: some of that up well and integrating with real space. Like that's, that's so cool. You know, like just thinking about like Google maps and an actual arrow or an actual line, like projected on your path for you to like follow. Mm. That's a real basic interaction. That's super cool and super helpful and minimalist and out of the way that that's the kind of stuff we have to be considering for even web apps. You know, if you're you're in the store and you're looking at a product and you're, you're Amazon and you want people to be able to buy your product through them instead of the store, you know, like scanning things and showing price reductions and like all of that, like showing that in real space, there's a lot to consider there that hasn't been touched yet, even in like phone apps and other AR kind of devices, but that's going to open up with the web as well. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, and maybe like integrating all of the above is kind of uh, part of what makes it work, right? A a goggle Mm -hmm. that isn't like a giant block your view goggle, but becomes just an AR screen that integrates with your phone that you already have. So there's some compute power and I'll give me your watch and your your phone. Mm -hmm. Now I've got double the amount and start just, yeah, can you imagine like having to figure out... Interaction points and like what all that is. Like, yeah. Oh, let me hit this button here, or let me touch choice on my watch that then goes through this screen, you know, and these got in these glasses that I'm wearing. And yeah, it could be very interesting.
2: Yeah. One of the even more like basic uses of augmented reality to me is just not needing a monitor, not needing a TV. You know, you've got your AR glasses, they're comfortable, they're lightweight, like they're no, they're no problem to wear it all. They're easy on your eyes and you just sit at your desk and you're looking at an invisible monitor, you know, (laughs) you're looking at 30 invisible monitors in front of you and just, you know, turn your head and rearrange them, you know, willy nilly like that. That to me, you know, opens up a lot of, a lot of possibilities, even for just regular users, regular computing kind of needs. You don't even have to think about monitors necessarily, but thinking about just windows and managing windows in a three D visual space.
1: All I can see is Minority Report.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Moving them around. Yes. Less arm movements.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I like the arm movements. I like those.
2: You know, Dean, dude. I'm Tom Cruise. Gotta be exhausting though. Yeah, we have for some people that were like, need a Tom Cruise workout to to be able yeah, to do that. Yeah. Uh,
1: just sell your soul to Scientology. It'll be fine. Mm. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. No, they don't listen to this. It's totally fine. Oh, good. Tom Cruise or all Scientologists? Tom Cruise <laughs> or Scientology or any Scientologist whatsoever. They're both fair game. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You know, it could be wrong. Maybe they would have sponsored us and I just ruined it again. See, yeah. we're never going to get anywhere. Well, you'll be sued into oblivion. Yeah. You can have the act.
0: I do love that the uh, the guy that made started Scientology like is famously quoted at like, the best way to make money is to start a religion. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like, all right. <laughs> but anyway, maybe we don't go down. Doesn't that.
2: instill confidence.
1: No. <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah, he uh, owns a couple of houses in D.C. Hmm. That was an interesting thing. Yeah, like one of the first houses and then there's... Uh, Two of their houses than they were in D.C. proper mm. when working on that. I mean, you got to lobby all those politicians to get your official religion recognized as a nonprofit. That's true. Tax status. That's the best way to get out of taxes. Start a religion. The religion of TypeScript. Shaw, are you in? It'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, be. Uh... Uh, sponsored by Microsoft.
2: It'll <laughs> <laughs> be a ty- TypeScriptist.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, if uh, Microsoft was to buy CodePen, things might change for you.
2: <sighs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see.
1: I hope you got some equity in that. Otherwise, we'll talk to you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you had CSS tricks. Give them
2: something. <laughs> I'd appreciate that. Yeah.
1: I mean, Microsoft is good at uh
0: buying cool stuff, so it's not yeah. you know, out of the realm of possibility.
2: Yeah, they're getting into the the realm with uh GitHub CodeSpaces. And they've, they've kind of got their their own uh, their own pony going there.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, I feel
1: like CodePen has its kind of niche in type of of user though. So you talk yeah. about animations and CSS art and like all of that, like CodePen's a place to go for that. Right? You're not going to Code Sandbox for that or whatever. You know, or uh, what was the old one? I didn't say. It. J- <laughs> yeah, I can say whatever. <laughs> no, these people. Can. JS Bin. JS Bin. <laughs> that was like yeah, one of the old school ones. That was just run code. It was basically spin JS, JS fiddle. We got glitch yeah, fiddle. Yes, which was basically just like the developer console. Yeah. Mm. So you know, so I don't know what GitHub Spaces is going to niche into, but like I said, I've always felt like CodePen kind of has its space. You can use it for all kinds of stuff, but you can always go there for like cool art and yeah. animation things like that.
2: Yeah, we we pride ourselves as like more of a social network than just a code editor. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know, obviously having a simple, easy to use code editor is kind of essential to all of that. So, you know, that's where we that's where we put our focus.
0: I don't know if it's SEO that's really good or if it's just that everyone that does this uses code pin. But like anytime I need a cool loading spinner or animation or something and I Google it, it's like code CodePen, code <laughs> pin, code <laughs> pin. So like right. you know, someone's doing something right on SEO, I think, or just everyone is there. I don't know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I I think just our our link juice, whatever you call it, is is so high, that that's the majority of it. We do have some some fans at, at Google, I think, that help with that. But
1: <laughs> yeah, they push the nudge them a little yeah. more. button. Chris calls them and is like, just just make us higher. And they're like, all right, yeah. <laughs> help me out. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about, uh, you were talking early career, some, how you created jQuery or something and, uh, (laughs) working at an agency and how did, yeah. What was your path into this career?
2: Ah, man. So there's a photo of me as a baby, probably like 1987, something like that with like one of, one of the early laptops. It's really not a laptop, but more of like this computer tower. It had like a detachable keyboard on the front and then like the monitor was be behind that. So you could essentially carry a computer everywhere. I don't, I don't know why my dad had this. He was some kind of basic programmer at, you know, like electrical companies and that, that kind of stuff. But he had this, this portable computer. And so I'm a baby, you know, just sitting at it. So obviously I got into programming right then and there before I learned uh, language or anything like that, I was into programming. <laughs> No, I <laughs> later later in like you know early early teens. I remember sitting at my dad's laptop in a cabin in the middle of the woods, uh, no internet or anything like that because it was you know not that time in the nineties. And I found an HTML file and I found the View Source option. And at the time in Windows, that opened up in uh, Notepad, and I figured out that that wasn't read only like you can you can edit this text. And so I started (laughs) editing the text. And then I went back to the browser and I refreshed and my changes were there. And so this important documentation that my dad had (laughs) was now transformed into a list of my favorite Sonic characters. And this was this, you know, light bulb moment for me that, you know, computers, it's more than just like these icons and stuff that you can click on, like you can you can actually get them to to do things. And so from there, you know, I just kind of kept diving into HTML and like, you know, around the time, like GeoCities and tripod and angel fire and all those, uh, were, were kind of the rage. So I was getting in there and doing all kinds of horrible websites and copying (laughs) and pasting snippets to, you know, make annoying cursors and, and that kind of stuff. It just always kind of kept building in me this, this desire to, create and build with, with computers. And, you know, eventually went to school for a degree in, um, digital media, which, you know, spanned the range of like, you know, like audio production and like video production and like a small segment on web. And, uh, we did like a little bit of flash and like, you know, all kinds of random stuff, but we, you know, I always, I was always killing it on the web projects and and that kind of stuff and the other stuff was like so helpful to have and like gave me a different perspective on like how the web could be used and like animation and and all that kind of stuff and then I got a job at a church doing church website and moved from there to another church doing a bigger church website and I met my wife the first day on the job there and that that was that was wonderful So I was working there, and like that, that experience, like working at a church and building a a church website, like that's a very kind of unique setup because there's a lot of different people with a lot of different needs, but ultimately you're like trying to serve the like congregation or like the people that they're trying to reach, and so the perspective there that i that i learned was like we really have to be conscious of who we're talking to what they need and how we can connect with them like how we can kind of build that that relationship and so from there i got i got a job at a at an advertising agency and you know kind of carried some of those some of those values over of like thinking about the audience, thinking about like what they need, what they're looking for and how we can, how we can connect with them. And from there, I came over to, to CodePen, but there's a lot about the web that I think is special and is unique. And, you know, no matter what kind of device we're accessing it on, I think that it is going to keep this space of like, if you need information, this is where you're going to go to get it. And that's kind of my idea as a web developer. Like I want to make information accessible. I want to, you know, figure out who the audience is and how to best make them connected with what they need.
1: Yeah. Well, inherently right there, that's the purpose of HTML, right? Is to make information accessible. Exactly. And understanding HTML helps you consistently make it accessible, right? Because you understand the information. And sorry, Robbie, I don't want to cut you off, but I will forget my forget my thoughts again. So I'll briefly go through two points. First of all, you mentioned your foray yeah. into HTML early on. <laughs> and uh, I just ignore it. And that list, Tails, Tails was the right answer, by the way. <laughs> no, no, I was going to ask, is it Knuckles or Tails?
0: Tails. That, that was my only thing I wanted to know. Great.
2: <laughs> Tails was the was the top. For sure. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And then, because you can fly. But yeah. what else do you want? <laughs> exactly. Anyway. <laughs> <that's-> Knuckles can <could laughs> glide and yeah. he could break through walls. Right. He was definitely the the better choice, mm. but tails. Yeah.
1: yeah. But tails. I mean.
2: He's so likable,
1: too. I always chose tails. Adorable, yeah. likable, all those things. And then the other part is actually, I was thinking about when you were talking about um, your time working for churches and having this sense of responsibility around uh, serving everyone's needs in that. But, you know, one aspect of that that I th- think is really cool is to have work where you essentially have access to all of your users. It's unknown. Mm-hmm. It's this pool of people who come into this building. And I, if I have questions or I need clarification, I can get that. I can go right there and have that and then learn from that and then get better I think that's like, especially early in career, that's a very unique experience to like have access to and know who your users are and access to them to like get better at giving them what they need.
2: There's a lot of immediate feedback, I will say. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's a nice one. Internally (laughs) and externally, you get good, good information to use for sure. Yeah, I think in general, having that
1: access is like a great learning tool, you know, and for later on, well, that's not... Always the case when it's everyone in the world, potentially. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of a different thing. I mean, I know you're not selling t-shirts or something, but still a lot of people access that site, that site, and your demographics are like all over the place, I'm sure.
2: We did sell t-shirts. Uh, we we most recently uh, took that down. But yeah, yeah.
0: Nobody sent me one. Jerks. Yeah. Chris doesn't like us that much. Talk to
2: Chris. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's he's got
0: boxes and boxes of I will I'll text him. <laughs> I'm sure he'll yeah, he'll gladly. Okay. Yeah. So the important thing that I think we need to find out here is, have you gotten Tears of the Kingdom yet for your Switch? No,
2: <laughs> no, I have not. I've I've actually not gotten into Breath of the Wild Ooh. at all or or Tears of the King. I was never a Zelda guy. Oof. I was never a Zelda guy. I think I've, we're done here. Interview over. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember I remember, you know, sometime early 90s, I remember being in probably Toys R Us at the game aisle and looking at what was the game, uh, for game boy, link's awakening. Mm -hmm. I remember holding that in my hand Mm -hmm. and, uh, my mom looking at it, she was like, there's ghosts and witches and things in this. You can't, you can't. So that was the end of my, uh, Zelda (laughs) nostalgia opportunity. So I, I have played some of them, uh, in the more recent eras. Uh, but, Yeah, Breath of the Wild and and Tears of the Kingdom. I just Hmm. haven't gotten into any of the 3D Zeldas.
0: You should try it. I'm sure you've heard from other people that you should try it, but they are so,
1: so good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just as like, if you like any of those games where you have like this super open world for exploring, I think agnostic to the initial storylines like it does so much with like explaining all those things anyway you can kind of come in first time and then you just have this massive world to do all these crazy things so it just goes on and on if you like that then i would say yes like yeah yeah, yeah. like if you played skyrim lots of exploring and, you that, and
0: like making stuff there's less vampires but yeah, no vampires yeah. at all.
2: <laughs> okay, so I haven't played Skyrim, but there there are vampires?
1: hmm
2: mm-hmm. I thought it was more of a dragons kind of thing.
1: There's dragons, vampires. It is. That's the main story, is dragons. Yeah, yeah, okay. there's mostly dragons, but there's vampires and thieves and murderers and werewolves there's werewolves see okay. of other terrible things
0: yeah and you can somehow be i think like
1: both a werewolf and a vampire at the same time yeah. which doesn't make hmm. sense just don't complete a werepire all the quests is what, yeah. how it works out is so you're like part of the way through both of them and you're like you have to fully commit one way or the other and you're like yeah no i want all these badass
0: powers <laughs> yeah Chuck never commits so he's like i got the werewolves the vampires the thieves
1: the mages everybody's with me i learned how to like get a party of like six yeah following me and then just you know it helps you through the whole like main storyline because you've got all these side quests that you didn't complete so you've got a companion to help you finish the final part and you're like no nah, they all kill people with me it's fine why would i want to become any of them anyway yeah Speaking of games,
0: I'm uneducated in this, but you said you have beaten Tetris. I didn't know it was beatable.
2: Like that's a thing you can win. <laughs> so fun fact: after a certain point, Tetris just stops counting. Oh, really? The score reaches a certain point, and and Tetris is like, "All right, I give up. You did it." But the game actually doesn't doesn't end. <laughs> so in in college, uh, you know, I had a had a DS. And Tetris DS was was out and was amazing, and so I was playing in the in the endless mode and just kind of kept going with it. I was taking it to my to my classes and playing underneath the desk, and then you know the ability to just close the DS and like resume later was was awesome. And I just kept building up. You know, once you once you reach like level twenty, the the speed is essentially maxed out, and that essentially means that the pieces are just like appearing. But once you get that, like, balance of working with the pieces in that capacity, it's just kind of the same over and over. So, you know, I just kept building up my high score. And I think it was like 999,999,999. It just stops. And unfortunately, it doesn't actually save that high score because it's maxed out so like the mm. you know the actual high score list doesn't doesn't show it but i've i've got pictures to prove it if if anybody, to <laughs> if anybody wants yeah.
1: to challenge you yeah
0: tweet it at us later
2: <laughs> come at me
0: yeah yeah i remember that reminds me of uh i forget which system and which pinball game it was so one of our professors had said like yeah i uh maxed out the uh pinball and that they used like uh signed ints so like they're it only went to so high if they had used an unsigned in it would have like gone higher like he wrote them a like letter about (laughs) how they could have done it better or something Was like all right that's that's a very uh professory way to do
1: that (laughs) thanks virginia tech yep that's what i would have responded with had i made that game and i've been like thanks prof (laughs) <laughs> thanks prof that's the the yeah, whole thing that's all you get yeah that's my response so
2: Shaw, what are you what other hobbies do you have really not not too much right now so you know i've got i've got two kids uh so they pretty much dominate mm. any free time but trying to like integrate them in things has been a really interesting process my my oldest is nine and uh you know she's she's amazing and uh my youngest is four. And so he's like just at the point where he's getting able to like play games and like, you know, <laughs> do things in that, in that capacity. So the Kirby games have been mm-hmm. really phenomenal. They've got a lot of hand holding kind of options so that the adult can be the main character. And then the other kind of side characters can, you know, be a lot more of a supportive role. Mm, Nice. So yeah, we love to we love to play the Kirby games or like Mario Kart Mm -hmm. has awesome options for like uh you know staying on the rails and auto going so that you don't have to hold down A. So that's that's really helpful. Mm,
1: I didn't know about that. Okay. No, I didn't know that. I need to, to look at those adjustments again. Yeah, the first time I ever played Mario Kart with my son. Probably like two years ago, and it was that he basically was going backwards and yeah. not at all. Like, wrong way, wrong way. <laughs> never finishing the race. <laughs> Our first race, never finishing the yeah. race. I was like, this is fun. Let's do it again. <laughs>
2: so if you if you pause Mario Kart 8 on on Switch, there's like some options. If you hit like L, it you know activates like the you know, stay on the path mode. Mm. And if you hit R, it like activates the automatically go forward option. So with both of those in place, you know, my son finishes like 40 seconds after the rest of us. So like we don't have to, nice. you know, wait around or like, you know, race for him or anything like that. Yeah. He can, you know, press the button to release items and that kind of stuff, but he doesn't have to hold the rest of us up.
0: I oh, love it. That's really cool. Nintendo really thought
1: of a lot of things there. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, those characters are so appealing to young kids. I mean, my Mm. son is six, and he is obsessed with Mario now. We saw the Mario movie, so that was, like, the Mm. whole next, oh, that's it. Of course. He's been playing, what is the uh, Odyssey Mm. game? Mario Odyssey? Mario Odyssey, yeah. It's like Mario World Odyssey or something else. But we played Mario Kart before. My daughter, she's not really ready. She might be ready for Switch now. I didn't think she was, but... We'll see what happens. She's four. She just turned four. Bit four? Yeah. 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 Just, just put on the go automatically mode and she's ready. Exactly. Exactly. They both can race that. And that'll be a big winner this weekend. I'm about to be dad yeah. of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks for yeah. that. Yeah. That'll be big. You both
0: get to play Mario Kart for hours. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Well, fully
2: charge those controller batteries. Yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. Exactly. Hours will probably be 30 minutes to 60 hmm my wife's cut off on most games. She was like, yeah. and we're done. Yeah. Depends on what you're doing. If you're having right, fun right, while right. they're having fun, then <laughs> it's fine. Right. Right. I'll send her off. We're like, go have brunch with your mother and they're going to play games and dad will take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. So, very in the games. I saw the Mario Lego thing behind you and I was like, yeah, Mario. Oh, yes. So, yes. Very cool. Yeah. Is that a custom
2: build or was
1: that like instructions
2: for that? Uh, yeah, that, that was just some pieces I had. I I always loved sprite art. Mm-hmm. That was one of my initial like computing and programming kind of things was like drawing and like generating spreadsheets or like using spreadsheets for um for animation I had a short stint in creating fan games and like that kind of stuff so mm. i always loved always loved sprites and so when i had the available lego options i i built a little, little mario 3 mario nice fun fact though mario legos are not cubes you know they're they're rectangles just like the standard legos is, is a rectangle mm. so it's it's actually a little shorter mm. than it should be it's not you know fully mm. to scale oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, he won't judge you he's just yeah. about to grow <laughs> you
1: know he just had a mushroom <laughs> yeah. he's about to become super mario he got like slightly
0: squished for a second yeah
2: yeah you <laughs> have to add like a flat plate on top to make it fully square Mm. because it's three Mm. it's three flat plates to a a regular plate
1: yeah i didn't realize that we have so many legos in the house should know a little better (laughs) i usually just follow the instructions and i'm like have at it kid that's the best part (laughs) yeah you want to make something else enjoy yeah i actually uh bought the one where
0: like you can build the nes and like yeah but i haven't built it yet
1: because i'm just busy but i have it Get on that Great one. (laughs) Yeah. What are you waiting for? You could have been doing this entire episode and at the end, play the game. Well, I mean, right now I
0: have the new Zelda that came out yesterday to play. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I also. A little occupied. uh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, on any break. (laughs) Yeah. Did you also get it? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't started it yet. No spoilers. Well, it's crazy that Link is a robot. First of all, I was... (laughs) He's actually Mario now. Really surprising. I will say that I... Aliens and a zombie arm were a surprise. Didn't see that coming. (laughs) And I'm not making that up. Aliens and a zombie arm. Wait, you're not making that up? I'm not making that up. That's actually... (laughs) Now I have to play it tonight. (laughs) (laughs) You were going to do that anyway. But uh, you really should get into it. It's, It's a cool opener and... I don't know. Yeah. I haven't fought any dragons yet, so... Hmm. but aliens and the other thing I don't
2: know <laughs> what about zombies or werewolves or vampires or werewolves
1: no 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 no. Yeah. I haven't mean, fought those hmm. there are goblins and some of the yeah. familiar characters from the first one are all there things that come out at night yes Yeah. the freaks come out at night they do you guys wouldn't get that reference that was like in the early 80s It was like the freaks come out at night yeah no I know the song the freaks come
2: out yeah yeah okay Songs last longer than a
1: year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know any movie you saw in literally 1980 exactly. Like I know some later eighties maybe, but Empire Strikes Back came
1: out in 1980.
0: Well, okay. Okay. So I know the Star Wars movies. Okay. That doesn't count. Everyone's seen the Star Wars movies. I've seen one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I saw Empire Strikes Back in my parents' custom van at a drive-in fell asleep Mm. in the back. I was only three. Wow. So, you know. That's another level. I had to see it again later to really get it. Which is a creepy one to take kids yeah. to. I watched all the Star Wars
0: movies in one day, one time, mm. which takes a really long time. So all nine? Not the new ones with the like, oh. the, not the new Skywalker saga or whatever.
2: The semi-new?
0: Yeah, the, the semi-new, like the 2000s ones and the, mm. and the originals. Yeah. I watched like all six in one day and that was a really long day. That is a
1: very long day. It's a lot of movies. <laughs> you had to come out for breaks and stuff. Oh, know? I definitely did. Or was it weird and there was like all these milk bottle, milk jugs of pee and stuff when, when you were done? Well, no, I, I took breaks. <laughs> That's <laughs> I took a Howard break. Hughes reference there. <laughs>
2: Yeah. I saw the special editions in theater. That was that was pretty cool. Yeah. That was my first Star Wars kind of experience. Yeah. I was aware of all the lore and things, so I wasn't surprised by like Vader and Father and that kind of reveal and stuff. But yeah, experiencing it on the big screen was fun.
1: Yeah, that's a strong move to get it. First time in there. Yeah. No, I saw them on Laserdisc and VHS <laughs> Ooh, and Laser all the Disc. things later too. Yeah, Laserdisc was so cool. I was very into it. I don't know why. It just was. Hmm. There was an Ewoks cartoon in the 80s that was so corny, but... Liked
2: it. I've heard bad things. Who oh, was
1: yeah. there really? Yeah, I didn't know about that. Yeah,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can watch it again on something. I'm sure they've pulled it somehow or another, but it used to
0: be on Disney Plus. Probably has it, they have so many Star Wars cartoons. Yeah, it probably does.
2: <laughs> I don't know. There, there's a lot that was buried yeah. about Star Wars with, with the holiday special. Yeah, I was gonna say, mm. did you see it? It was on Disney Plus, like the 70s oh, really? Hollywood. Yeah,
1: oh. it was bad, it was pretty bad. I watched, uh, I think we watched that at one point and then watched like the original Muppets. So as a kid, like the Muppets TV show, I was really into that. Was it not good? No, I thought it was pretty, well, it was mostly good. There were a lot of like more... 70s cultural references that were like, oh yeah, no, this didn't age well or whatever. Elton John is like in in the first episode, I think, or something.
0: Yeah. Well, everyone knows who Elton John is now, so.
1: Yeah, yeah, but that wasn't the reference <laughs> that was like, oh, this this doesn't fly anymore. Yeah. You know, not that it was like bad or offensive. It just was nobody gets this now. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but they had like a lot of really iconic ones, like those alien monster guys. That would be like, yep, 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 yep. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, yep, 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 yep. yep, 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 yep. Yep, yep. I thought those were
2: only <laughs> Sesame Street, but they they originated on the Muppets.
1: Yeah, yeah. Unless uh, the whiskey is kicking in, I'm fairly yeah. certain. I feel good <laughs> about like now you may <laughs> yeah. second guess my uh, my puppets.
0: Yeah, who knows? But uh, we we are at time here. Is there anything we missed covering? Anything you want to plug before we end?
2: No. Uh, just GoPro on CodePen. There's a lot of great benefits uh, like privacy and assets. You will definitely enjoy having that access and got a lot of cool stuff brewing. So be on the lookout for that. Brought to you by DigitalOcean. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Well, for CSS mm-hmm. tricks. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. All
0: right. Thanks everyone for listening. If you liked it, please subscribe. Leave us some ratings and reviews. We appreciate it and we will catch you next time.
1: Thanks for listening to Whiskey Web and Whatnot. This podcast is brought to you by ShipShape and produced by Podcast Royale. If you like this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or two and leave us a rating, maybe
0: a review, as long as it's good. You can subscribe to future episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more info about ShipShape and this show, check out our website at shipshape.io.